What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Tampa Tones here, Bucketeers. Thanks for joining us. Hope everyone's doing great this evening. We got Timmy joining us. Timmy, how the hell are you? Thanks for getting us viewers, tagging friends and family in the video, so that's pretty cool. Timmy's joining us on Facebook. Speaking of joining us on the Bucketeers this evening... We got lifelong Bucks fan, listener of the show. We got a good friend of the show coming on. Did the WWE draft with him. In fantasy football with the man, we're going to bring him in here in a minute. Then we're going to roll the intro and we'll get into the meat of the episode. Real quick, we'll get into him. Jeremy, thanks for joining the show, brother. Excited to talk some Buccaneers football with you for the next 30 minutes or so. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's great to be on. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, brother. We'll get into uh, the, the meats of it in a little bit. Real quick, where can the good people follow you at on Twitter, my friend, to keep up with all your thoughts, ideas? I mean, you got some good ones between football, wrestling, you name it. You're a good follow. Where can the people keep up with you? I appreciate it. Like I said, you know, football is my passion, you know. I grew up watching it. Yeah, I've been a Butts fan for a long time. Grew up in the Red Pewter and... Wrestling, you know, another thing that can be occupied all year long, you know, when there's no football season. Yes, sir. Where, what's your Twitter handle, brother? Where can uh, people keep up with all your thoughts and stuff? So, yeah, y'all guys can follow me at um, <clears throat> JLo1990 all day on Twitter. Basically, you know, I just can't, I'm just a sports fan that loves hockey as well. I follow the Rays as well. You know, I'm all around sports, guys. What I enjoy doing. So, if you guys are interested, follow follow me, and you know, and I'll be happy to talk sports with you. We we got uh the real J Lo in the house. We'll put it like that. We don't need the other J Lo. We got the real J Lo. So we're gonna roll the intro. We got J Lo and Tampa Tones here on the Bucketeers with you talking Bucks ball for the next thirty plus minutes. We might get Stunna. We might get Honcho. Both of them said they were going to be here. So we'll see if they show up. Maybe Cats as well. You never know. It's Tampa Tones on the Bucketeers with. J Lo Jeremy in the house. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Bucketeers. We're live on there now. Follow us on YouTube at Bucketeers Podcast. Catch a replay on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast, and so much more. And keep up with us on Facebook at Bucks Life News over there. We'll be back in a flash. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in under a minute and 20 seconds here on the Bucketeers. Let's ride. I know you're nervous for the Rams, but you got to be a little enthusiastic after being there. Bro, that, that game atmosphere was ridiculous. Energy, electricity. That place was rocking anyone was there. And a lot of the, a lot of the uh, Super Bug fans were there, too. Beat Bug. Tampa Tones. We are joined by Lee Goon tonight, uh, host of the Pat and Aaron Show. Of WDAE, uh, Pat Donovan, and it sounds like Stunna is bumbling a little bit. Going to put him on mute for a second until that gets a little clear. But we're joined by. Pat it looks Donovan. like Stunna is hanging out with Cheech and Chong in a car with the windows up or something over there. <laughs> it does look like you got a little. No, my my uh, camera's broke. 
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Bucketeers. Thank you for being us, being with us this evening. Not being us, but being with us this evening. Tampa Tones here alongside special guest, lifelong Bucks fan, listener of the show's J-Lo, Jeremy, the real J-Lo. We're going to get right into it here, Jeremy. We're not going to beat around the bush. We already did introductions here. Mayfield or Trask? We, we obviously signed Baker Mayfield uh, last week as NFL free agency was in the midst of things. We brought in Baker, uh, and he's going to be competing for the starting job. If not, the starter comes week one for the 2023 NFL season for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And whether it's a move because, you know, he's the most notable name that was out there on the free agency market after Derek Carr got signed to keep some season ticket holders around, whether Todd Bowles is trying to fight for his job and thinks Mayfield gives him the best chance at that, or whether it's just purely for competition with Kyle Trask to drive him to the next level. I, I think I've convinced myself and others have convinced me of becoming a fan of the signing. It, it's not that I wasn't a Baker guy, but my opinion was this. Since he couldn't make it in Carolina, the Rams didn't sign him back, which, you know, not the biggest red flag since they do owe Stafford a lot of money. Since Cleveland kind of kicked them out, didn't get along with some wide receivers. I, I, I was really under the impression of, all right, let's give Trask a chance, bring in a guy like Drew Locke or Jacoby Brissett, a true backup give them the backup role, kind of let Trask still compete with him, but he'd be the clear-cut starter. Here, to me, we go opposite direction, pendulum swing. If Mayfield isn't the starter, that's going to be a little surprising to me. But I want to get your thoughts on that. At the end of the day, what are your thoughts on the entire Baker Mayfield thing as a lifelong Bucks fan, Jeremy? And uh, who do you think ends up on top here, Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask? You know, at first, you know, there's, you know, pros and cons to Baker Mayfield. He can be a confident, you know, and he can be cocky at the same time. And I'm a bit supportive of Trask, you know. I really want Trask to be the one to be the starter, truthfully. I believe in Trask. I feel like if you give him a shot with the ones, let's see what the kids got. But why not spice things up with some competition? Baker Mayfield, former number one overall pick. He's made the playoffs. He won in Pittsburgh, which is hard to do, you know. It's not easy going into Pittsburgh and winning a playoff game. So I feel like at the end of the day, Baker was the best competition for us. That's what Jason Light was betting on, was the best competition to push Trask. And this could be it. I mean, you can put Trask with ones during the OTA. Let's see what he's got. And if it's Baker, hey, I'm all for it. You know, I'll take Baker. You know, there are some good things about Baker. He can run out of the pocket, get rid of the ball if he needs to. He does have some turnover mistakes at times. And when he went to Carolina, that kind of wasn't his choice. You know, it's the only team I was going to trade for him. You know, and he kind of went later on in the offseason when that happened. But pretty much he got thrown to a fire with a coach who doesn't have a job there no more. I mean, he went back to college. But, you know, just to me, it wasn't a good fit. It's all about seeing a fit. When he went to the Rams, he did pretty well under Shaman Vey. So, and from what I'm hearing from Dave Canellis, I feel like this guy is the real deal, you know, working with quarterbacks. And this could be good for Baker Mayfield or if not. This could be an opportunity for Trask. One way or the other, we're going to have some fun competition coming to training camp. And I'm, for one, excited for it. I can't wait. 
And, and I think you bring up a lot of good points there, uh, building off the Baker Mayfield subject. Uh, I, you know, bring him in, compete, competition brings out the best in you. And I think at this point in time, sure, Baker might have had OBJ in Cleveland when he was there. But if you look past OBJ, there wasn't a lot more on that Browns roster in terms of weaponry outside the running back position. They do have a hell of a running back room as they had Chubb Hunt plus others. But Baker's never had the type of arsenal he's about to, right? Because in Carolina, um, they had DJ Moore and a bag of chips. In, in Los Angeles, they had a depleted wide receiver core by the time Baker was there. By the time Baker played for them, uh, you know, they were out of it. They were out of the playoffs. Who knows? You know, they weren't going to play their Cooper Cups of the world, who was a little banged up. Jay Commons from Bucks Life News. Trask will win competition because if Mayfield was playing to be the guy, he would have got more than one year. So Jay thinks Trask will win the competition. CJ, I, I like where your head's at, but my point is this. Mayfield probably didn't want to lock himself into a longer than a one-year deal where he wasn't getting paid top dollar. And I'm not sure a lot of teams that would have gave him a two-year contract for the money he was looking for this season. Because, yeah, sure, Mayfield and the Bucks might want a guy for two-plus years, but if the Bucks can't trust Baker for, for one season, how would they trust him for two? Yes, they're playing for the moment. They're playing for the season. Todd Bowles is fighting his job. But to me, this is very much like a Geno Smith situation where if he does ball out next year at this time, sure, then you could extend him. But for now, to me, there wasn't really an optic or a point of giving him a two-year deal. Jeremy, what say you on that? I, I just don't see, uh, you know, how, how would you judge a fair two-year value for Baker at this point? Because if you would have signed him to two years, there's no way he would have taken a two-year, 15 or $16 million deal, right? Agreed, yes. I just feel like Baker wants to go the one year, see how it goes in Tampa, see if he can win the competition. You know, I feel like two years, to me, where he's at right now, 14, fourth team, you know, and once and pretty much under a year, it's kind of hard to go with a two-year deal. So I think Baker is betting on himself to see if he can really be successful with the Bucs. Because remember, if he fails in Tampa, like you said, Bulls' job's on the line, everybody's going to be gone. They're going to be cleaning house. So I think – you know, the one year is pretty reasonable for me because if he doesn't pan out, you know, and tries to beat him out, he'll be the backup and then he'll probably go somewhere else next season. But really, it's the last opportunity. And like you said, Tones, this was probably – he probably wouldn't have got more than one-year deal anywhere else. And I do believe the Rams did want him back. They had to go with Stafford because there were rumors spreading around that they were possibly going to trade Stafford. So – you know, like you said, I feel like the one-year deal was the only deal he was going to get. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, Stafford, they're paying him so much. And what, Baker would have just held his jockstrap all year as long as he would have been healthy. So what, what's the end goal there if he would have stayed with the Rams? And, and, and the two-year contract, if Baker would have signed two years, $16 million. No ways he would have because as he balls out this year, he will get that Geno Smith-type deal, although odds aren't likely. It is possible 
why would he bet on himself to lose? Because at the very least, even if he flops this year, he'll still get like one year, two or three million next year as a backup, right? So at the very worst, you know, one year, 8.5 million with incentives, which if he plays all year should hit most of those. And then say if he does stink it up, one year, two million next year, that's still two years, 10 and a half million. He only loses out on a couple million. Opposed to this, if he locks himself in on that two-year deal at 16 million, he could cost himself Geno Smith type money. So that's my opinion on why both the Bucks and Baker Mayfield would not want to do or would not be kind to do a two-year agreement upon one another. Uh, Jeremy, we got a question or a comment, I should say. Well, we, we do have questions from our man, Mike, we'll get to in a minute, but a quick comment to discuss from Jay. Now let's draft Hendon Hooker. This has been a popular opinion amongst Bucks Twitter by some. What, what say you on Hendon Hooker? I mean, it, it's hard to tell where this guy is going to go in the draft. I think we all would want him, but we're obviously not going to spend a first or second rounder on a quarterback. With the love Hendon Hooker is getting, I could see him maybe making his way into the second round, albeit a big leg injury. He was having a hell of a year in college, and we know modern-day medicine has the modern-day athlete back at the snap of a finger. So, A, would you be interested in drafting Hendon Hooker? B, if it's not Hendon Hooker, would you still be interested in drafting a quarterback? And C, what round do you see Hendon Hooker end up in? I, I see him in the mid to back end of round two. A lot of people had him projected three. I, I, I'm I'm getting a sense it's going to be more so round two based on the quarterback demand. Yeah, um, Hendon Hooker, I watched him a lot, you know, especially if I'm a Gator fan. I watch a lot of the SEC teams, you know. And he and Hooker, you know, he showed a lot of greatness before that injury. That was really horrible what happened to him. And I'm sure he's going to have an NFL future. But right now, I really don't think Todd Bowles really wants to add a third quarterback in the room like that to compete. I feel like he's going to go roll with Baker Mayfield versus Trask. And remember, we invested a second-round pick in Kyle Trask like two years ago. You know, we got to go out there and put Trask in. He, and plus, mm-hmm. he didn't focus 25, you know. That's another that's another downer that he's at that age where he can't really develop. He's going to have to go out there and play right away. And I just don't see him in Tampa, especially in the second or even – I'm here in first round. Some people are throwing first round predictions, like late first round on them, like a teammate trade up to go get him to late rounds. We can't uh, afford he, that at all anyway. No, no, we can't. And, sec- and second of all, you know, he's not going to be ready until this, the first game of the season. So he's not going to do OTAs. He's not going to do training camp. You know, it's just too much of a risk. Like I said, Bowles' job is on the line. And I don't think Light's going that direction. I think Light, to me, is going to go more defensive. You know, go focus on the front seven or go grab a safety. You know, so at the end of the day, he and Hooker, I think he's going to have a good opportunity to go to a team that can patiently wait for him to recover, sit out a year like a red shirt and learn the game. And then by next year, if his red shirt, I think he'll be ready to maybe even compete wherever he goes. There's plenty of teams that's going to pick him. But I just don't think we're the perfect fit for him at this point in time. And I think you bring up a tremendous point in the fact that Kyle Trask is still young and inexperienced. So in theory, 
why would you draft another rookie when Trask is almost your rookie? Because he was part of the Bulls regime. I know a lot of people go, oh, you know, a different head coach drafted him. True, but Bulls was the D coordinator at the time, so still part of the team. To me, the ideal Bucks quarterback room, and, and I don't see it happening per se for, you know, contract reasons, money reasons perhaps, but I agree. I wouldn't draft Tendon Hooker. Here would be my ideal quarterback room. What we have now, Mayfield and Trask, as you said, Trask, a young guy, still kind of the rookie. Mike D says, hey, boys, our number one man, Mike, is now in the building. But I would do this. I, I would keep Mayfield, keep Trask, obviously. I would try and bring back. I know a lot of people said no to me before and crushed me on this idea. For the vet men, I'd bring back Ryan Griffin. I would try and bring him back to the practice squad 100%. The Bucks have carried four quarterbacks on the roster the past three or four seasons. Why not this time? So you bring back Ryan Griffin. He's proved that he'd play for the vet men in Tampa. I mean, he's not chasing a ring or a starting gig anytime soon. He's familiar with our offense. He's familiar with the playbook. Help a guy like Baker Mayfield adequate to not only the playbook, but the Tampa area help him get familiar with things. So I'd keep Ryan Griffin around. And then I would try and sign an undrafted rookie free agent, or perhaps if you package a couple six and a fourth to move into the third, maybe scoop a seventh and get one there. But I'm not taking one higher than the seventh round or signing one in UDFA. No way. This team needs way too much. I'm not drafting Hendon Hooker in a top three round. You know, this team needs a lot of help. It needs a lot of work. Pops chimes in on Twitter. Pop says, I would not draft Hooker this year because of the Mayfield trash thing. Bombs, we will have like a top 12 pick, and if it works, we don't need a QB. That's another good point, Jeremy. If Mayfield, and, and this is why I, I didn't want Mayfield to begin with, right? Because my hope and dream was this. Kyle Trask versus Drew Locke. Trask probably wins. And then one of two things happens. Either Trask wins the job, becomes a, a quality starter, and we have a young starting quarterback, or Trask wins a job, we're going to suck it up. By week 11 or 12, only have a couple wins, put Drew Locke in, get one or two more wins max. Then we'd have three, four, five wins. We'd set ourselves up with either A, if Trask played well, a really good-looking Kyle Trask, who's young and promising, or B, if Trask and Locke crap the bed, the third, fourth, or fifth pick, and then you get... Uh, you know, Drake May or Caleb Williams of the world next season. So that's why I would have went Trask and Locke to me. That's why I don't go Hendon Hooker either. You, you wait to boom or bust, but that's a little harder to do with Baker Mayfield. I think Mayfield gets us to at least the five, six win mark, which to me, I know we can always trade up, but at that point, that'd be out of the Williams and May uh, sweepstakes, in my opinion. No, I mean, you brought valid points. It made sense. Like I said, I mean, Hidden Hooker, I mean, I like him, but at the same time, you got to roll the dice on giving Trask a chance. And honestly, there's a lot of fans in Tampa that like Trask but don't really believe in him. And I feel like this is going to be the big push Trask needs to get over the hump to prove that he belongs as a starter. You know, when you come into an environment – you got Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback in history, running the football team. Of course, he's not going to be able to compete against them. And then when they say, oh, well, you couldn't be beat out Blaine Gabbard. Okay, but he didn't play with the ones. Not once. He did not play with the ones. Put him with the ones. 
you see what he's got. I mean, he was playing with a bunch of grocery baggers, no disrespect to these other players. I'm just saying, I mean, he just hasn't got the chance. And that's why I've been putting an argument with certain, you know, certain fans that trash deserves a chance, you know. And I think what Light did in the offseason, bringing back some of our, our key players, shows that we're not ready to give up. We're ready to keep competing because our division's weak right now. The whole NFC is not that good, to my opinion, if you want to get typical. So I just think right now it's Baker and Trask, best man win. And Trask wins, and he'll prove the doubters wrong that he belongs. I agree with you. Couldn't disagree with you or uh, couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I don't disagree with anything you just said there. I I think that's a good point as well. We've only seen Trask with the back end of the roster guys, nothing against the back end guys, but you know, between preseason and with our backups against Atlanta in week 18 this past year, because we already clinched, he hasn't really gotten a chance with the Russell Gages, Chris Godwins and Mike Evans of the world. So I would like to see, that as well we got a couple questions here a couple viewers watching on facebook as well paul chin co-worker great guy shout out to you my friend appreciate you joining jeremy and i in the bucketeers this evening b hank brian hancock thanks for tuning in as well uh mike says what is the bucks cap situation like now we're around even we're like five hundred thousand over the cap so um that means something happened behind the scenes that they probably haven't announced yet that's going to free up some room because, um, you, you know, you can't be over the cap. So the Bucks are probably working on something there that they're going to announce, and it'll probably free up room for other moves. And I think we've made some very good moves so far, not only Mayfield, and I'm not a huge Baker guy, but I do think it's a good move. But the Chase Edmonds, amongst others, we'll talk about those in a bit. Mike says, I'm not a Mayfield fan at all. You, you know, Mike, I'm not huge on Mayfield per se in general, but the move makes sense. The move makes total sense. And there's a lot of reasons why Bucks fans, if you're a win now cat like myself, I'm never one to punt for the future. I'm never one to tank. I'm never one to be that guy. Um, This move makes a lot of sense from a winning standpoint, especially. So uh, that's why I give it the thumbs up, not because I condone of Baker Mayfield, but more so it makes sense to me. And then Mike gives his thoughts on Ryan Griffin. Mike's the man of the hour right now. Griffin is the best clipboard holder in the league. He damn sure is. And that's why I wouldn't mind him back because he's cheap and he's familiar and he's been a buck since 2014, 2015. Now, yes, he's barely thrown passes. I was actually at the only game in the NFL where he's thrown passes. That's not a preseason game, which was against the Colts in 2019 when Jameis got hurt. But, yes, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Griffin hold the clipboard yet again. And then Mike says this is going to be a long season. Well, uh, we do play in the NFC South. And I I was having this convo yesterday with Chef, and we're friends with Chef. He's in our fantasy league. I want want to get your take on this, Jeremy. I think for having a first-place schedule, I actually think we got pretty lucky with with how easy it is. Um, You know what I'm saying? It's one of those things that I I think – here's the point. First-place schedule, never easy. But the Bucs play the NFC North this year, which is a Bears conference. Obviously, the second weakest in the NFC only – 
to our conference. Oh, by the way, we play our conference twice. So we play the weakest conference in the NFC, which is ours, twice. We play the second weakest conference in the NFC, which is the Bears conference. And then out of all the AFC divisions, we play the weakest one, which is the AFC South, the Colts division. Nothing against any of those teams, but they're clearly the worst in the AFC. Yes, I get that we still play first place teams like the 49ers of the world and, and, you know, our AFC draw, which is likely, um, I believe it's Buffalo. But with all that being said, hell, would you rather have played other divisions like the Cowboys? We could have gotten the Cowboys entire division. We could have gotten the Bills entire division. And then we could have gotten the Chiefs as our first place AFC game. To me, the schedule could have been a lot worse for a quote unquote first place schedule. What say you? Couldn't agree more. I mean, there's maybe two or three teams that got my attention that would probably, they're probably kind of sad, would be Philadelphia, San Francisco, and Buffalo. But every other team, I mean, it's wide open. You know, Green Bay, they're about to lose out on Rodgers. He's about to be dealt to the Jets whenever that comes. So they're going to be a new freshman team, a new quarterback. The Bears, you know, they made some pretty good signings, but, you know, I still feel that we can definitely give them a good game with our strong defense. And then Detroit, you know, they're up and coming, and I don't fear them as much as well either. They're very beatable, I feel like, even though they add some, a couple of key pieces. I mean, honestly, I mean, this could go either way. I mean, some of these teams, we could either show up and play a good ball, and hopefully the office will put up more points, and I think we got a good shot. But at the end of the day, I agree with you. I mean, the conference on our side is not, you know, very tough. Our division's one of the worst in football. And then plus the AFC, like you said, the AFC South, you know, not a very strong division. The Jets are pretty much going – I mean, not the Jets, I'm sorry. The Titans are pretty much going through a rebuild mode because they're trying to deal Derrick Henry. They don't have no receiving core. They're pretty depleted. They're about to lose their safety, you know, because he don't want to take a pay cut. So, so long story short, I mean, if everything goes the way which I think it will, I think our defense is going to be strong. And I feel like the offense is going to put up more than 20-some points a game, and we might have a chance to make a run and, and win the division possibly. You know, because you can talk about the Saints all you want with – you know, Derek Carr, but they lost some key pieces on the D-line to where they're not scary. I mean, yeah, they had our number for a while, but we finally swept them last year. So, I mean, it's going to be fun. I think we're going to have a really fun, interesting season. Either we're going to show up, you know, and play butt ball and try to run the ball for once and get it going. And I feel, I feel confident in the schedule. I think it's going to be a fun year. I don't think it's going to be terrible. I think we're going to get a much better season this coming season than last season because we finally got an offensive coordinator. I feel like it's going to get the ball rolling. We were wearing a lot of close games last year against some pretty good teams, and our defense kind of kept us in there. I think there was only like three blowouts last year, but every other game was that close. So, you know, I feel like it's going to be a fun schedule. I think it's winnable. I agree with you. And the NFC South, I like your point on that. Very up in the air, right? All teams had a chance until, what, week 17 last season, and – you know, teams like the Saints and the Panthers and the Falcons had their fair share of bruises on their roster and rough patches in their schedules, and they hung in there with us the whole time. So I don't really see 
the Derek Carr move carrying the Saints over the top. I don't find Dennis Allen that great of a head coach to me. Um, I think they're going to struggle again, maybe win the division. But I, I think you could win this division with seven to nine wins this year. I don't find it unrealistic to believe that seven to nine wins could win this division. So um, I, I'm with you. Why We're, we're going to fight. We're going to hang in there. And our division schedule isn't that strong. Obviously, you do have your first place tough cookies like, you know, the Eagles of the world like the 49ers of the world and the Bills, sure. But at the end of the day, you went through it. I went through it. We have our winnable games. We play our division twice. It's six winnable games right there. Bears, Vikings, Lions, Packers, those are all winnable games. I know some of those teams, such as the Bears and the Lions, have improved. But, you know, they're still winnable. Then you look around the other part of the schedule, the Colts, Titans, and the Texans all very winnable. Jags will be tough, but sure, the other three are winnable. So there's that. Mike has a question. We got a lot of Bucks moves to go over still. Shout out to the Godfather being in the building. James Rubright in the house. We appreciate you tuning in on Facebook. Mike says, when are the dates announced? He means for the schedule. Usually two weeks after the draft, Mike in the draft this year is April 27th to 29th in Kansas City. So I'm guessing the schedule will be announced around May 10th to May 13th in that sort of range. And you're listening to the Bucketeers. It's J-Lo and Tampa Tones with you here for about 10 more minutes or so. Uh, we, we got some good Bucks talk going on. We're going we're gonna to talk re-signings. We're going to talk um, new signings and departures here. But... I, I seen something on Twitter earlier that I replied to, and my tweet's actually doing decent numbers. Did you see or happen to see, Jeremy, the tweet of the Eagles guys saying how they should call in and see if Antoine Winfield's available? I mean, the clownery in that statement, we're not getting rid of him. He's not going anywhere. Absolutely not. That's just BS. I'm sorry. That, you know, Winfield's not going anywhere. He's going to get the bag here. He's not going anywhere. And like I said, some of these fans are to come in, especially with the whole Mike Evans situation, saying, hey, Mike's going to get traded. Mike's going to get traded. No, he's not. You know, and like I said, at the end of the day, you know, we're going to keep our key pieces, and Winfield is a big part of the plans. You know, he's very favored down here. He plays everywhere on the defensive field. There's absolutely no reason why we would trade him away. And he loves it here. Why would he want to leave? Makes no sense. And we locked up Dean. We locked up Davis. No doubt in my mind, Winfield will be the defensive back domino to get locked up next offseason. We have Stunna with us now as we close out the show. Thanks for joining us, Stunna. We're going to get your thoughts on some Bucks depth signings here shortly and bring you in here in a second. But um, I did clap back at the tweet, and I just quote tweeted it and said, yeah, Buck should offer for Jalen Hurts, yada, yada, yada. Pretty much some bull crap scenario. Since he was talking crap, I, I might as well talk crap. And my tweet, doing pretty good numbers. So a lot of Bucks fans agree with me. A lot of NFL fans seem to agree with us that Antoine Winfield isn't going anywhere seemingly. And uh, Stunna, speaking of not going anywhere, how the hell are you? And uh, what, what do you think? We haven't talked about him yet. We're going to talk about him now. Uh, Jeremy and I have been talking some Baker Mayfield, so we've already talked that. But we're going to talk about the Pat O'Connor and Cam Gill's re-signings from this weekend. So, Stunna, in your mind, 
A, are these both good depth three signings, Pat O'Connor and Cam Gill? And B, which one do you think pays more dividends this coming season, brother? Yeah, it's definitely for depth, and it definitely it depends on Cam Gill. Uh, Health-wise, I'd see him as the biggest one. Um, Pat O'Connor has always been a good special teams player, um, and he's also a good depth piece, like you said, a rotational piece. But um, both have, both have really been injury concerns. So I guess injuries are part of the NFL, though. I mean, I used to think more about injuries than I do now because it seems like these guys are rehabbing every offseason off and being ready to play. But, um, yeah, I would think Cam Gill would be the best uh, of the two. Uh, we need a lot of depth on the interior and the defensive line and the edge. And you already know where I stand with Baker Mayfield. I'm very excited about the uh, acquisition. Yeah, we were both talking how it gives us a chance as well, the Mayfield thing, at least a chance at excitable brand of football. And uh, Mike D commented, he's not the biggest fan, but it does give us the best chance to try and win some football games. So, Jeremy, we're going to get your thoughts here. Which one's more important? I thought Stunner did a good job of answering it. We'll see your opinion on this. Uh, the Cam Gillery signing or the Pat O'Connor? I, I, I'm a fan of both for depth purposes as well. No, I couldn't agree more. They're both good depth pieces. You know, they know the system. Like I'm starting to say, you know, health-wise, you know, it's hard to stay healthy in the NFL. But I like both the resignings. Cam Gill, to me, was coming up strong last year, and then he had that unlikely injury in that first preseason game. You know, so I think he stay healthy. I feel like he, he could be a valuable piece to part of the rotation, the edge rusher. I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, a bit a bit time, you know, stud, but he might go in there and make some plays and, you know, help us, you know, get the defense off the field on third downs. And Pat O'Connor – you know, he's very favorable down here, you know, very loved. I feel like a special teamer. And he would be a bad, you know, rotational guy too, you know, because Vita Vera does need rest at times, you know, and they do pull him a lot. And I feel like, you know, he's a good rotational guy. Plus, he'll be a good veteran to help work, work with the rookie if we draft an edge, which I think we will between two to five, fifth round. It just depends. But at the end of the day, I'm happy with both the two signings. Truthfully, they're both – you know, good players to me, and I feel like they'll be, if they stay healthy, they'll be contributors. I agree with you as well. I think well. the Anthony Nelson sign was bigger. And we're going to talk about that. Funny you mention it. I got a little game we're going to play here with our free agent sign-ins where I, I kind of chose some of them and stun it. Save your Nelson thoughts for right now because we're getting to that right now. I, I put packages together of guys that the Bucks signed, so brought in from outside. Each of these teams have won, and then who the Bucks re-signed. Each of these groups have won, and then tendered free agents who they re-signed. Each of these groups have won. So I paired three groups of guys. There's two groups of three. We're going to go around and say which group of guys that we are more glad that are back or new faces, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, Pretty much, I'll, I'll name the groups. We'll go around and, uh, yeah, pretty much talk up why you're more happy about which group you're going to pick. So maybe Stunna picks Anthony Nelson's group. We'll find out here right now. Stunna, we'll start with you since you had an Anthony Nelson thought. And Huncho 
just texted us saying he can't make it this evening. That's okay, Huncho. We hope uh, whatever you're dealing with goes okay, brother. But Stunna, we're going to start with you first. Which group of three are you more happy to see the Bucks sign slash bring back to the roster? Is it A, this group A, Jamal Dean, Chase Edmonds? A. Jamal Dean, Chase Edmonds, yes. and D. Uh, Delaney? You know, as, I, as I already said, um, the priority in the offseason has to be Jamel Dean. We struggled at the cornerback position pretty much since Brian Kelly got hurt against the uh, Indianapolis Colts in 2003. Okay, so Jamel Dean is is the first legitimate lockdown corner we've had since then, and this is the best cornerback combo we've had since those those uh, two thousand early two thousand Bucks teams. As David Ferrara Bucks fans joining us now, so you didn't even give the other team a chance, Greg Gaines. Yeah, because Jamel Dean was on Greg Gaines, Anthony Nelson. Nick Leverett, you were going to talk up Nelson, but I, I think I agree with you. you. You don't think it's close, huh? No, it's not because Jamel Dean was the priority. I didn't think we were going to re-sign Jamel Dean. I thought he was gone. And the fact that we got him back, man, that's just, that makes the whole offseason, really. And, you know, since uh, Light has been our GM, he, he has prioritized signing our own free agents. And, um, you know, we didn't lose – our own Anthony Nelson was the number three guy I thought we needed to sign. I thought number one was Dean, number two was Levante David, and number three was Anthony Nelson. And the fact that we come out the offseason and re-signed all three is, is is just an amazing feat. And it just goes to credit, you know, our front office uh and how great they've been since, you know, um you know, since uh, Light got here basically. Yeah, and I didn't even put in it, uh, Levante David because I knew, you know, everyone wants him back. And, and who doesn't? I know David joining us on Facebook's a big fan of Levante David, as is everybody. Jeremy, are you in the same boat? Does it even come close with the, the Group A, Jamel Dean, Chase Edmonds, and D. Delaney versus Group B, Greg Gaines, Anthony Nelson, and Nick Leverett? I have to agree with with um, Stunner for, for sure. You know, Jamel Dean was a, a bit, one of the biggest surprises, especially for the price tag he said to come back with, which blew my mind. And he loves it here. You know, he's a true, you know, Tampa fan. He loves the fans here. And he and he's had a hell, of, a hell of a career last year and how well he played. And the fact that we were able to get him back at that price shows that, you know, that he's definitely – Loving the city of Tampa, and that's the kind of guys I like. I like players I want to be here that will that want to come back on a cheaper deal. You know, I thought for sure he would go to a, maybe to another team that would pay him a lot of money, but he didn't want to leave. So, and I agree with Stunner. You know, Dean and Carlton Davis are probably the best duo we've had in a long time since like Rondé Barber, Brian Kelly days. I can't even think back of a better duo, truthfully. You know, and even though they're not ball hot, that's Probably the biggest pet peeve they got to work on the both of them, but they're shut down corners. They'll take their, they'll take the number one out of the game and give our pass rush a chance to get to the quarterback. So absolutely, you know, Dean's back for another three to four years. I'm so thankful. Levante being back, you know, I I kind of feeling he was going to come back. You know, he said he wanted to finish his career as a butts, and I believed in it. You know, but Dean was the biggest surprise. Anthony Nelson, another surprise. I'm sure he was going to go somewhere else. 
I feel like he definitely had another a dean a career year last year, forcing fumbles, getting up to the quarterback. You know, and he'll be fun to watch, you know, because we don't know how Shaquille Bear is going to come back. We don't know if he's going to be the Shaquille Bear we knew from 19 to 20, or he's going to be the Shaquille we saw early in the season, not getting, not really getting to the quarterback. So I'm excited, man. Dean, I agree with Stunner. Dean, all the way. And guys, we have some breaking news here, some sad breaking news out of the NFL world, not uh, Buccaneers related, but NFC South related. And uh, since the Bucks are in the South, we do talk about them as well. So uh, earlier this offseason, free agent tight end of the Las Vegas Raiders, Foster Morrow, had a visit lined up with the New Orleans Saints. And a lot of people assumed that he was going to sign there. Visit went well with them, according to reports. And then all kind of went quiet around Foster Moreau's camp. And today it comes out. He just tweeted 10 minutes ago. And I'm going to read his tweet. It's a three-tweet long tweet. Then we'll get to our last buck question or two. And then we'll head home. But sad stuff. He says, through somewhat of a miraculous process, this free agency period has been life-changing for me. During a routine physical conducted by the Saints medical team down in New Orleans, I've come to learn that I have Hodgkin's lymphoma and will be stepping away from football at this time to fight a new opponent, cancer. I'm grateful for the support and thankful for people who have stood with me. There hasn't been a single step I've taken without hundreds of people lighting the path before me, and I will continue to seek their guidance. That being said, I'll go kick this thing's ass and get back to doing what I love, A-M-D-G. So some sad news there, fellas. Uh, Stunna, thoughts on that? Foster Morrow stepping away from the game of football to battle with Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, degenerative diseases are always bad news. Um, NFL career is short, and life is fragile, like we already discussed uh, when we talked about the race. Uh, Dave Michigan. So um, Dave Wills, but I know what you mean. Yes, sir. I think Dave Michigan is with the Lightning. Correct. Um, so life is fragile. You know that's always bad news. Your NFL career is very short. It's it, it's just a, it's just a, a you know just another reminder that everything can be taken from you in a, in, in the snap of a finger. And we've seen it with Texans rookie wide receiver Mechie from Alabama last year as well. J Lo, quick thoughts on uh, the the developing news and situation with free agent tight end Foster Morrow stepping away with Hodgkin's lymphoma. Prayers up, man. Prayers up to him. You know, it's an unfortunate event for him. And I pray that, you know, he makes it through. You know, I, I remember Eric, I think Eric Berry, the safety from the Chiefs a long mm-hmm. time ago, he had the same diagnosis and he recovered and he, and he played football again. Hopefully that'll be the same case for Foster Moreau. You know, he, to me, I think he was a very good player. I enjoyed, you know, I watched him a little bit when he played for the Raiders. And like I said, it's a tough situation. Unfortunately, life is so short, you know, you can't take it for granted. And hopefully, you know, he has a speedy recovery and he'll be back shortly, back soon. Yeah, you hate to see it to anyone in life. And then, you know, when it happens to people, athletes, it seems like, holy crap, it really makes you realize, damn, this could happen to anyone. Because we know that 
But when it happens to guys who are larger than life figures on TV, they do have good money. You feel like they're a little invincible sometimes. And then something like this happens and it makes a step back and think, boy, we're all lucky in life. We're lucky to be watching these great athletes. And uh, it, it's a shame. Prayers out to Foster Moreau. Hope he gets better soon. We're all praying for him here from the Bucketeers. We are on the Bucketeers and we got two things left to go over before we bounce out of here. And call it a night. Jeremy's joining us. J-Lo, lifelong Bucks fan, listener of the shows. We got Stunna, the co-host, in the building as well, fellas. Uh, we'll start with you this time, Jeremy. J-Lo, uh, question. Out of the three departing Bucks, Edwards to Kansas City, SMB to Tennessee, or Nacho to the Giants, which one will you miss the most and why? Truthfully, I'm going to say Nacho. Nacho, you know, he brought a lot of excitement to the D-line, hyped the boys up, hard worker, what's his way up. I really will miss him. I mean, Mario Edwards was another tough loss. But at the same time, I feel like Nacho was more, was more of a voice in the locker room, more than more than, Mar- more than um, Edwards. So I'd say Nacho. It was hard to lose him. And best luck to him in New York, man. Hopefully he'll go out there, bring the hype to that to that, that team, that organization. You know, and that's pretty much it on that point. And best luck to Mike Edwards as well. And SMB. SMB, you know, he's another one who just couldn't stop, you know, with injuries, man. Injuries, middle mistakes. You know, he showed some flashes toward the end of the season. And he's got a good opportunity over there in Tennessee. You know, he's got a good chance to go out there and play the outside corner position. He could beat out one of those corners. So best of luck to him as well. But Nacho, I'd say, was probably the toughest one to me, in my opinion. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I got to think about that one a little more, though, before I get my answer. Stunna, do you agree that it's Nacho, or would you say somebody else? Um, Nacho's personality will be missed the most. He had a big personality. He was definitely a leader in the clubhouse. I'll probably personally miss uh, SMB because I was a big fan of successful jocks and, and, you know, what his mom was doing with her charity. And, uh, you know, he was just a really good guy, man, to me. Um, probably the most disappointing is Mike Edwards, though. I mean, he had a chance to, to really solidify that safety spot. Uh, I was a big Jordan Whitehead fan, but I didn't want to see Jordan Whitehead go. And he had a chance last year to kind of fill those shoes, and I don't think he ever really did. Um, so, and he forced uh, Antoine Wilfield into the box to try to fill the Whitehead role, and he he couldn't fill the free safety role that Winfield had, and Winfield couldn't fill the free the strong safety role that. Um, Jordan Whitehead has. So now we have to replace both Whitehead and uh, Mike Edwards this offseason because we really didn't replace him last year. So, And our defensive backfield has been a real uh, question mark for a great number of years here in Tampa. So uh, me personally, SMB, most disappointing is um, Mike Edwards. He, he I expected him to really – show out last year in a contract role and being a starter for the first time. And I think the community will definitely miss, uh, you know, Nacho and his big personality as well as the clubhouse. Yeah. Yeah. No wrong answers here, fellas. I I like everything each of you said. Um, 
I'm going to lean with oh, – I'm, I'm between – nothing against Edwards. I think he made some great plays. I'm between SMB and Nacho as well. I just loved SMB. The playoff run he did, as you said, sent a lot of good charity work. Nacho did a lot of great stuff for the community as well. Edwards had some great memories and plays on the field. Shout out to Bob from work for tuning in on Facebook this evening. We appreciate it. I'm going to go with uh, – oof. I'm going to go with SMB here just because I do think, uh, you know, the memories of the Super Bowl. I met his mom in person. I met SMB in person. I met SMB's brother in person. I got a lot of cool ties with SMB. For that reason, I'll miss him. And I think the potential is there. We'll see if he could reach up to his limits in Tennessee. Not saying it's not with Nacho, but you know what you're going to get from Nacho. I, I still think we could see SMB provide more. Not saying Edwards can't, but I think SMB's ceiling is a little bit higher there as well, fellas. We're, we're nearing the end here on the Bucketeers. Real quick, I just want to get your thoughts on a potential edge rusher. Um, if you guys think we're going to bring one in during free agency and then we're going to head out of here. So, Jeremy, we'll start with you here first. Any chance you think the Bucks still bring in a veteran edge rusher, even though we did re-sign Cam Gill, we got Anthony Nelson back, Shaq Barrett should be coming back from injury this year. Do, do you see the Bucks adding another edge rusher uh, this offseason or an edge rusher th through free agency? Truthfully, it depends on the health of Shaq Barrett. I think they're going to wait and see how he's feeling all the way to the draft. Okay, I remember Jason Light said he, he was going to go for value, which is more of an affordable run. I would love to add a guy like Ndokwe, who played for the Colts last year. You know, he's a, a veteran experience. You know, I think could provide depth. Or maybe we'll get a veteran like Justin Houston. But I think those will be the guys you'll see toward training camp time. So if it would be my decision – or how I'm gut feeling, I'm feeling that we'll probably draft an edge rusher and then wait to see the health of Shaq Bear if he can come back or not. You know, because it all depends how he feels. Remember, we're paying him a lot of money, and I feel like they're going to want him to play his best out there. Because obviously, what Josh Kippa put out there, Shaq Bear, you know, they didn't restrict his contract for a reason because he could be on the cutting block next offseason, depending how he is. So a veteran edge rusher, I don't think we'll see another signing until after the draft, which was training camp. And I could see if we do bring in an edge, Andrew Van Ginkle from the Dolphins fit in that bill. But we got Andrew Van Ginkle out there as a potential edge option. Justin Houston, a little more of a vet there. Frank Clark as well. Melvin Ingram, Leonard Floyd, uh, Jadavian Clowney, Yannick Ngakwe, as you mentioned, Jeremy. A lot of names still out there. I, Jeremy likes Ngakwe. I like Van Ginkle. Stunna, do you think the Bucks add an edge? And if so, who, who do you like out of that list or uh, any other free agents, perhaps? I think the Bucks are done in free agency. I think they're going to have to find a way to get money up for their draft picks. Um, I think they waited a year too late. I would have loved to give up the 19 pick for Bradley Chubb last year. And if you remember the last three, uh, four or five games, we only draft we only dressed two edge rushers, which was uh, Joe Transarenka and Anthony Nelson were the only ones dressed. And so they had no backups in the they game. They literally played like they, every snap. They literally played 99% of the defensive snaps. So – um, 
I think we're I think we're done, man. I think we're I think our money's spent. I think we're gonna have to find money somehow in the draft uh, to get up. I don't know where we we do with our first round pick. I thought we made a mistake last year trading out. I thought we should have got the center from Iowa. Um, and I think that this year, I think we need to get a, a you know, I like everyone's talking about the safety from Alabama, but I remember uh, Mark Barron, Barron. Okay. And so I'm kind of leery with that because we drafted him in the first round very high. But at 19, maybe it's not as bad of a risk. Okay. But, um, no, I don't think we go after another edge. Um, I don't really, you know, if we do, it, it's going to have to be at a bargain because we're, we're kind of um, we're kind of against the cap. Yeah, and I wonder if Andre Anthony just looked that bad last year. Seventh-round pick out of LSU was an edge rusher. I don't know if we can afford him. He just looked that bad. It was that bad of a miss. He went to the Bears and then didn't get signed. But he would have been a cheap edge rusher to add to this roster. But right now, the Bucks are penny pinching. We'll see if they announce other extensions or restructures to create more cap as they are 500000 over the cap. Maybe bring in a Yannick Ngankwe, a Van Ginkle, or a Stunnisett. Maybe they're done and we'll be patient until the second wave of cuts comes right before the regular season come September time, guys. It's been a, a bl- quick question for you, Tones. Um, What's up? Before we close out, feel free. Any questions? What's up, Stunner? How well have we done drafting in the fifth, sixth, or seventh round since um, we had uh, Mr. Jason Light? How, how well have we done in those rounds? It depends what you look at as value in those rounds. I mean, I, I think he's done pretty uh, – I mean, it's been hit or miss, but I, I think he's done relatively okay speaking. I think it's a lot of misses. I don't think he's done well. I think that – I can't remember the last time we drafted a starter outside of the fourth round. So if I'm the Bucks, I'm trading all the way up, you know, into the fourth. And, and why even pick them late picks? We don't do nothing with them. I think we do better with undrafted free agents than we do with our late-round draft picks. Well, I mean, Coquif was a six-round pick last year. I think he showed uh, pretty good glimpses of hope. You know, you hope a guy like Zion McCollum, who was a fifth-rounder, shows signs of hope. So I know what you're saying, but I, I do think there have been guys I don't think out- either one of those did a great job. Go ahead. I think, I mean, you can't really, Coquif is just getting going, I think. And then, uh, you know, KJ Britt the year before that, he, he could develop into something. Uh, we got a draft pick back for Grant Store last year. We traded him. He was a good special teamer. So, I don't know. It really depends how you slice the cake, I think. I don't think it's been phenomenal by any means. But I, I think it could be worse out there if you look around the late rounds and uh, see what other teams have done as well. Well, <laughs> I, I hear what you're saying. Not, uh, I hear what you're saying. It hasn't been perhaps that great, but I don't think you know you're always going to find those late, late guys um, that are going to jump in and be starters right away. I don't think. Well, you know, it depends on your scouting department because we saw a number ten for Kansas City did a pretty good job last year. Yeah, but he wasn't starting. Um, Jarek McKinnon ended up starting for them. Pacheco played a lot, but yeah, McKinnon was their starter. But yeah, I know what you mean. It, it would be nice. It, it would. I mean, we got to remember though, Matt Gay, the highest paid kicker in the league now, 
was a fifth-round pick. Uh, just because he didn't get the job done here, that's an effective pick. Anthony Nelson was a round four pick. Scotty Miller, a round six pick. These are guys who have paid dividends for this franchise, all drafted by Jason Light outside of Matt Gay, obviously. But look, he is the highest-paid kicker in the league now, so he obviously is looked at some sort of way. I do think there are these hits, and you look even before that, Justin Watson, fifth-round pick, just won his second Super Bowl already. Jordan Whitehead, fourth-round pick, got paid. You know, there, there's glimpses. No, I, I agree Jordan Whitehead was a great pick in the fourth round. And um, most of those are great fourth round picks. I think you said um, A. Nelly was a fifth. So uh, th that would be the cutoff. Um, Scotty Miller isn't on anybody's team right now. Um, and some but of the others, you know, but. But he did contribute in 2020. Go ahead, go ahead, Mark. No, no, my bad. I need to interrupt you, I was trying to tell you on. Scotty Miller was a big contributor on a Super Bowl run, man. He, he did make some plays that would never be forgotten, especially in the Green Bay game on the deep ball, which is like as well. Yeah, he's not a roster right now, but I think he'll get an opportunity to play somewhere else. I feel like he was a key drafty. You know, you can't forget about Tyler Johnson. I feel like, you know, he contributed a little bit. He's had some bad luck. And I believe he was a fourth round pick, if I'm mistaken, Tyler Johnson. Or fourth Fifth. Pick, I can't remember. Fifth rounder. So, you know, Light, you know, he's gonna have his hits or miss. So the, the, the fifth day. round should be our mark. Then we, if we gotta, if we get someone after the fifth round, we could pretty much count on them being a camp body. I mean, that's every team. Agreed. No team, every no team. team is sitting here right now going, "Oh boy, you know, we're, you know, like uh, sixth or seventh round picks are hit or miss with every team. It's not just us." Sure, light, light. You know, Light's track record might not be the greatest, but I bet you I could go back right now on any NFL team and look at their sixth or seventh round picks and beat around the bush. I think Light's track record is the greatest in the second and third rounds. Uh, yeah, that that's probably true. And, uh, I mean, I think he's done a good job in first rounds. We've gotten guys like Vita Vey and Devin White. Right. Like, look at That's true. And Mike Evans. Look at last year for Houston, just off the top of my head. I mean, there, there's really no telling. I mean, is Austin DeClewis a great player for the Texans? Is Tegan Quantrero a great player for them? Is Roy Lopez a great player for them? You know what I'm saying? It, it's all a crapshoot to me, those type of rounds. The Texans also hired Lovey Smith to be their head coach. I, I just brought him up as a point. I could go to any team and name their sixth and seventh round picks. And, yeah, you're going to get starters here or there, uh, luck of the draw. But, you know, it, it, it's more of a luck thing at that point. If you want to kill Light for his first four rounds, that's where you, you know, if you want to comment on that, I think yeah, it's yeah, a good yeah. job. But that, that, I'm, that, I'm definitely not killing Light. I'm definitely not killing Light because he, he was a lot better than um, – Basically, the best we've had uh, since Rich McKay, you know. Um, so we've had we had we had a couple duds after McKay. Yeah, Mark oh, Dominic yeah. wasn't too great or anything. Mark Jeremy, Dominic and um, Jeremy, Allen, any, thought, any thoughts yeah. on it, Jeremy, on the situation in general? Um, with with the draft, you know, like I said, you know, Light has has some hit and miss, but I do kind of agree with Stunny, you know. Second, third round is probably a good trade for him. Fourth round, he's, he's hit pretty well. 
fifth round, you know, hit or miss. At the end of the day, you know, Jason Light is going to draft the best players on the board to help us win. I think he's going to go with the best players. I do not agree with him trading down to get Logan Hall. I truly feel they should have got Louisine from Georgia with the DBs. You know, but Logan mm. Hall, you know, he deserves another year to prove himself. You know, you can't go by one year, you know. Let's see he does in year two, you know. So, I trust Light. He's been the best general manager, I feel, in Buccaneer history. Not to knock Rich McKay because he did put together a good team as well. But for what Jason Light has done, you know, bringing all these free agents in, you know, bringing Bruce Sanders out of retirement, which is another thing that was incredible. And then, of course, Tom Brady. You bring the greatest football player ever to the city of Tampa where we were a laughingstock for all these years. You know, we were a laughingstock, and we ended up becoming Tampa Bay, you know. And hopefully we'll carry on with it. Hopefully Light will get something out of Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask. Or they might draft a quarterback later on the later rounds. Like, you know, there's a dude from Houston who's very talented. I looked at his stats, 40 touchdowns. I think he threw over 4,000 yards or 3,000 yards. I mean, we could get somebody like that in the seventh round. You know, another quarterback to add in there with Brian Griffin. So that's a Jason Light. I trust him. And like I said, he's the best general manager ever, in my opinion. It, it, yeah. it's hard it, it's hard to argue that the bucks have had their fair share of ups and downs but ladies and gentlemen we've had jeremy for over an hour now we've been with you guys for over an hour now we've got stunna in the house we're gonna go on and out of here we we've been with you guys irritable long enough talking all these free agent moves so we're gonna go ahead and give our one big things and our walk-offs as we trounce out of here now and jeremy it's been Fantastic having you on, brother. So we'll start with you one more time. Where can the good people follow you at on Twitter, my friend? And uh, on top of that, what's your one big thing and walk off for the Buccaneers as you walk out of here? What What do you want people to know? What are you thinking about the Bucks? What's your biggest thing right now? Well, you guys can follow me at JLo nineteen ninety all day at Twitter, and I follow the Bucks. Rays, Lightning, I watch a little bit of UFC and wrestling. But the ones I walk up with the butts is, you know, I love my team. I'm very blessed that we're not getting the Super Bowl during the Tom Brady era. And I'm excited for the QB competition, man. And go butts, man. I feel like it's going to be a fun season. Maybe not the best season, but hey, you know, NFC's weak right now. And I feel like we got a good shot. And end of the day, if you're a true Bucks fan, you gotta believe in your team, believe, trust in light, and go Bucks, baby. I love it, Jeremy. Once again, uh, everybody, go follow Jeremy, and uh, we hope to have you back on in the near future, brother. Talking more Bucks, maybe around the draft or maybe around schedule release. We'll get uh, your opinions and we'll pick your brain some more. I lo- love to come, man. It's for inviting me. Like I said, it's been fun. I enjoyed it very much. Absolutely, brother. Uh, We appreciate it, and you take care and have a great night, brother, okay? You too, my man. Take care. Thanks, Jeremy. Everybody, that was a great J-Lo. Jeremy, a great Bucks fan there. Incredible guy. Just stunned a pretty cool having a lifelong Bucks fan listener of the shows on. You know, I kind of like having a a listener of the shows on depicting some Bucks ball with him. What's your one big thing or walk-off before we head out of here, brother? Some good stuff there. 
Well, you're going to get analysis on the Bucketeers. This ain't no uh, flag waver or, or jock sniffer uh, podcast going on out here. So you're always going to get an analysis when you go and, and listen to our show. And that's what it's all about. You know, we take any guest that, uh, let's say, maybe Jenna Lane. Um, and so my, my big thing is the draft, man. It's like the Super Bowl for Bucks fans. It always has been. This, that's the one day we get to win back in the past. And then with Ray Perkins, very rarely that. Um, but it's, it, it was definitely, um, it was definitely, uh, the draft is a huge thing. Buccaneer fans get excited, fire the cannons, get it up. And then my walk off is we're still the NFC South champions. I know we didn't play well down the stretch. But we're still the NFC South champions, and to beat the man, uh, or to beat a man, you got to beat the man. Uh, and so, if the Saints think that their little moves they're making is doing something, if Atlanta wants to uh, save money and not put together a good team, and if Carolina thinks a, a flash in the pan coaching hire going to change things down south, I got news for them, and they had a player. It's the Buccaneers, run the South, fire the cannons, hoist the sails, and let's sail up into this NFC next year and blow some musket fire. Go Bucks! Let's freaking go. I love that stun. I'm ready to run through a wall for that. Speaking of Panthers, these guys are annoying now. They keep adding to their coaching staff. Uh, you know, they think it's going to win in the South. I don't think so. It says Panthers have hired former Cardinals assistant coach Michael Berkovici is an offensive assistant per league source. The former Arizona State QB was with the Panthers, wide receiver coach Sean Jefferson with Arizona. So there you go. Panthers are afraid. They keep adding to their staff. My one big thing in walk-off is this, baby. Enjoy this time of year. The draft, the schedule release, the rest of free agency, minicamp, because before you know it, the fall is going to be here, and the damn season is going to roll through at the snap of a finger. The anticipation's the best part, ladies and gentlemen. I know we seem far away right now, but soak it all in. Take a deep breath. Enjoy the Bucketeers this offseason. As Stunner said, we're always going to bring you that analysis. Enjoy all their Bucks outlets. You guys, enjoy the offseason. Trust me. I know you really want to get to opening day kickoff, but you're going to think back and be like, damn, those summer nights or those spring nights and I was listening to Bucketeers or whoever you might be listening to, getting excited about the team. The day's already here. Enjoy it, guys. It goes by faster than you could say it. Fire the damn cannons and go Bucks. Stunna, any last comments before we head out? I mean, Carolina got some good players. They made a run last year. They got some, I mean, they got a good DC. They got a good head coach. What are we going to do to counter that? We got to get our defense back. Buccaneers always been known as defense. Leroy Salmonair, defense. Warren Sapp era, defense. Uh, Tom Brady era, we were known more for offense, even though we had the great Devin White and middle linebacker. So I want to see Devin White put his defense on his shoulders once again and go wrecking crew through this schedule this year. Let's get some W's and let's celebrate. Let's go. Let's get W's. Let's celebrate. For Stunna Tampa Tones, we had J-Lo Jeremy on. That was good stuff as well. Listener of the show's lifelong Bucks fan. It's been the Bucketeers. Keep up with us on Facebook at Bucks Life News, Twitter at Bucketeers, Instagram Bucketeers Pod, YouTube Bucketeers Podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, and so much more for the instant replay. Let's ride. Fire the damn cannons. Have a great night, y'all. Stay blessed. Love you guys.
on Sunday, man. You, I know you're nervous for the Rams, but you got to be a little enthusiastic after being there. Bro, that, that game atmosphere was ridiculous. Energy, electricity. That place was rocking anyone was there. And a lot of the, a lot of the uh, Super Bug fans were there, too. Meat Bug. Tampa Tones. We are joined by Lee Goon tonight, uh, host of the Pat and Aaron Show of WDAE. Uh, Pat Donovan. And it sounds like Stunna is bumbling a little bit. Going to put him on mute for a second until that gets a little cleared. But we're joined by Pat Donovan. It looks Donovan. like Stunna is hanging out with Cheech and Chong in a car with the windows up or something over there. <laughs> it does look like we got a little... No, my, my uh, camera's...